Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here with the author of Ransom Notes and uh, also the author of a weekly uh, edition of uh, Ransom Notes that you could sign up for and, and get emails. And she was the subject of a, uh, of a long-running radio series. Now she's the host of her own radio and podcast series called Ransom Notes. She's the subject of a documentary called Ransom Notes, and uh, you're tuned into her her show. You can hear it on 124 different outlets and counting uh, podcast and radio outlets out there, including iHeartRadio and a whole bunch of others. Uh, Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Catherine Ransom is our host each and every week. Catherine, how are you? Well, I'm just fine, thank you. It's a little chilly here in Illinois, but we are not inundated in Springfield with snow, so we the airline airport isn't closed down, I don't think, as it is in some parts of the U.S. today. So I actually am quite well, and uh, it's good to be with you today. Yeah, well, same here. Here in New York, we had a little bit of a cold snap, but it's uh, it's back to, I don't want to say normal, but we're, we're at least back into the 30s, which is nice. Well, we're hoping it stays uh, nice at least through Wednesday because I don't know if you've heard about the Van Gogh special exhibit that's going on in many cities throughout the U.S., in which I don't know exactly how they do, but through projection, it's you walk into an area and it's like you've walked into one of his scenes. And so you can walk through the night sky and it looks like it's all around you and it's moving and you're moving and it's evidently been extraordinarily well-received. St. Louis has had to extend the time that it's uh, presented, and they're getting near to the end. So Wednesday, we're going to travel, 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 yeah, <laughs> travel a, a hundred miles down to St. Louis and uh, have a little culture. Don't you think that's good for old people? No, I think it's good for young people, too, and and. And uh, and you're not old anyway. Every time you say old, I I, I feel old because you're running circles around me. But yeah, that sounds that sounds like a nice uh, a, a nice event. And Van Gogh's so interesting, so it should be very nice for you guys. Well, my my friend uh, visited today at the Lincoln Museum, uh, Abraham Lincoln Museum with a mother and her son from St. Louis, and they had just seen the exhibit last week, and the young boy, and I don't know how young, but young, was said, oh, it was so wonderful. So you're right, this is an, uh, a great way to introduce fine art to a variety of people and make the seeing of it in a little more contemporary. So it will be fun. But right now, did you realize that there are some people who aren't really cooks, but sometimes they cook, and when they cook, they do crazy things. Have you ever heard of anybody doing that? Yeah, uh, one one that we we uh, all know and love very much, and uh, and and we could read about one of the recipes in your uh, in in your wonderful book, Ransom Notes. Yeah, it, and just in case somebody hasn't read it, that's the one where after getting ready for the. Thanksgiving dinner, I was in charge of the green beans, and I had this pile of stems from the green beans I'd snapped 
and I turned it into uh, my lunch or our lunch for two of us into cream of green bean stem soup. And I will let the audience find the book and read about it. But I have a new recipe that I created yesterday, just yesterday. I know. And it is called, I'm sure you, I'm sure you have it weekly, sauerkraut and apple gravy. Oh, oh my God. I'm going to run out and get, oh, oh my God. I can't even say it with a straight face. I was going to say I'm going to run out and see if they have it in my local store, but I don't think they do. Oh, that's discouraging. I figured that I could probably start marketing it under Morton Salt or some company and, and get, well, we had, my, my friend had made a lovely pork roast with sauerkraut and apples for our lunch. And as I'm doing the dishes after a glorious meal, it was beautiful, tasty and all of that, I look over in the big iron pot in which she had cooked the roast. And here is all this gorgeous juice from the sauerkraut and apples, and there was still a bit of of that in it. Well, I took out the sauerkraut, the most of it, and the most of the apples, hurriedly mixed up some flour and water, threw it into the pot, let it heat and thicken, and that night for dinner, we had hot pork sandwiches with sauerkraut and apple gravy. And you know what? My crazy recipe actually tasted pretty good. Now, it did have, as you might imagine, with the sauerkraut juice in it, a little bit of a tangy taste. But the, the, the pork juice that was mixed in there, and I just thought, you know, so much of life is just like what we, I was about to do. I was about ready to garbage that left over in the bottom of the pan. And then suddenly I kicked into my head and I thought, ooh, I like hot pork sandwiches. I love them with gravy on it. We even have five tablespoons of mashed potatoes left. I could share that with us and I could make us a sandwich. So I thought, what have I got to lose? And I made it, and we ate it, and we loved it. Now, the point being, you want to guess? You want to guess how I'm going to make a lesson out of this, Frank? I, I I never am great at my guessing, but I'll guess one thing: that you're going to make a lesson out of it, and it's going to be wonderful. How about that for a guess? Well, you are so sweet. You know. The first thing that would have come to mind is that I would have picked up the pot and dumped it in the garbage disposal, and that all of those lovely tastes and juices and residue would have been garbage. Instead, I used the idea of recycled, because I recycled what was left into a new product. And as I was thinking of recycling, I thought of four other rewords that sort of go with it that I think belong to people, not just sauerkraut and apple juice. That recycled means the idea is partially is that you renew it. I took something that was old and sort of retreaded it like a, a tire. You can retread, you can restore uh clothing or an old quilt or a house you can 
recycle by relearning how to use a new telephone or a new musical instrument or a new piece of equipment. Now, which is a better way to send your life than stuffing it down the garbage disposal when you get a little bit old and senior and there's a few creaky muscles in you and your energy level is not like a 25 uh, year old who's on the basketball team Mm -hmm. but there is no reason that you can't relook at your life so i thought hmm i wonder what kind of examples i could use and i've got a really first crazy one i was thinking about Joseph, as in Joseph and Mary, the stepfather of Jesus. Now, I'm confident that Joseph really had planned to have his own family. And perhaps he went ahead and had children later. But at least at the moment, he was not going to be the father of Jesus. Instead of throwing his life away and tossing Mary to the the winds, so to speak, he stuck by her. He recycled his focus. He re-changed what he planned to do. He became the stepfather. That didn't mean he didn't take care of him. It didn't mean it wasn't a good thing to do. It just meant he had to make, I'm confident, a rather major mental adjustment. I thought of another set. Think of the Peter, Andrew, James, and John, four of the 12 disciples. What occupation did all of them have? Uh, they, they weren't. One was a tax collector, right? Oh, no, fishermen. Well, they were fishermen. They were all fishermen. That's right. Matthew was, Matthew was the tax collector. Oh, sorry, yes. Well, no, no, that, that's okay, because the same principle would work, just a different occupation. They didn't throw away their fishing skills, but I am sure that as young men, as they probably were, they, some people say they maybe were in their 18s, 20s, somewhere in there, relatively young. I am sure that they were thinking their entire life and how they would be known would be as fishermen, making a living, going out into the Sea of Galilee, capturing fish. I don't know, I guess you call them capturing, catching, uh, selling them, supporting your family by the very wonderful job of being a fisher person. There's nothing wrong with that. But suddenly things happened in their life and they had to sort of recycle, renew, restore their goals because it doesn't say that they never went back and fished. In fact, as we know that they did sort of return at least for a while and they may have they may have even made part of their living but what became their major focus christ you know uh, getting the 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 uh, the lessons of christ out and and following and supporting and and uh, and capturing not capturing but um catching uh listeners to to spread the word of christianity yeah and they and actually they had to go back to school in a sense, to be retaught by the master teacher. That didn't mean that they threw away 
what they had learned in the school of Hard Knocks or the school of, of Bethlehem or Galilee or wherever they might have gone to a school, perhaps they may not have had any formal education. You know, I wasn't there. I, I Sometimes I think that I'm probably almost the age I could have been living then, but I really wasn't. But they, so they had to turn their life around, refocus, relook, think of the people we know today who begin to get a little weak in the knees. Their energy level is not that of a sprint runner on the high school track team. They are not as speedy at doing six things a day. I remember when I was young, you know, I could manage to go teach all day, come home and do something in the afternoon, perhaps after school, uh, you know, go play tennis or something. And then in the evening, I probably might have even gone over to church or to a concert or, you know, you smush a whole bunch of things when you're young. Should we throw people who are in walkers whose calendar said they were born before, let's say, 1945? Should we throw those people away into the trash? And the trash is not a literal can, but the trash of a small apartment where they never see anybody, where they have no one really dropping in to see them, or sort of, in a sense, locked in their own home only because they can't drive anymore and we ignore them, where people of that age think, oh, I'm too old to do that. I couldn't help over at the church. There's nothing that they could I could do. My brain doesn't move as fast as when I was 40. I don't have quite as much finances. I'm not able to drive. And we have this attitude, Frank, that builds up in too many seniors that I'm just going to get on the sled and go down the hill doing nothing until the Lord calls me home. I think that's as bad as if I had taken the sauerkraut and the apples combination with the juice and put it down the garbage disposal. I wasted, I would have wasted good food. We have to figure as a society how to recycle, restore, retread, relearn, reteach, whatever you want to call it, intentionally look at some of our seniors. Some of them would be great advisors to young people. I've been having coffee, ice cream, pardon me, ice cream with a couple of high school kids. Their mom brings them by to the little ice cream store one at a time. And I buy the ice cream and we sit and chat about life and about what they can do as a Christian and what they can do uh, to encourage them. It, you know, and, and I didn't have, all I had to do was find $2.75 to play, pay for their ice cream. Yeah. I didn't have to be a runner. I didn't have to be energetic. I didn't have to be dressed in the most beautiful outfit of, you know, someone that's on a style show. Anybody could do something like you find the neighborhood kid that needs 
the sweetest thing happened yesterday. The young lady that I had taken to get ice cream about uh, three or four times, I guess we've done that. She brought me a handmade card yesterday. She's sort of bashful. And she handed it to me. And she said, I tried to give this to you at Christmas, but you weren't here. Well, I was at my family in Oklahoma. And was very sick. She had drawn a picture on the front. And then she had written the nicest note on the back. And in it, she had said, I so appreciate just having someone to talk with and that your advice was so good. Now, that didn't cost me much of anything, but I made a friend. So I think my new recipe, sauerkraut and apple gravy, can help teach a great lesson to some of us who are not teenagers anymore. Wonderful. I, I was right not to bet against you. Uh, what a, Really, uh, what a wonderful uh, way to get to point A, uh, well, point B from point A. Uh, uh, tremendous. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and look, you know, the, the other point I was going to make, and I thought this is where you were going originally. You ended up in a very beautiful place. But I, I, I thought... You know, like, what am I laughing about sauerkraut or gagging about sauerkraut and apple gravy? You know, first of all, we don't know what's going to blend together well until we try it, right, until it happens. And we should be open-minded. And that goes for people, too. We we don't know that uh, that Joey won't get along with Johnny or, or that Johnny won't get along with Susie and Susie won't go until you try to put them together. And, and maybe different people are attracted to, to different situations and different people, and, and they may enrich the, uh, the lives of others. But what you, what you just said there is just, it, it's a lesson for the ages, if you ask me, and it's, it's basically saying that we give up on people, or people give up on, on, on themselves even, and, uh, and, but people give up on, on people and they assume that they can't help because they're not, uh, a superstar on the on the surface, or they're not, you know, a Barbie doll or a Ken doll or you know an athlete or a, um, a or some kind of superstar. There are people in this world. I think all the people in this world uh, have a use. The Lord wouldn't put them there uh, if they didn't have a use. And there's so many people that would be willing to help out and bring young people to the Lord. And that's really what you're talking about is is trying to get young people to to learn from the wisdom of of others Catherine once again you took an acorn you took a lowly acorn tiny little acorn named sauerkraut and apple gravy and turned it into a beautiful oak tree just wonderful kudos as always you know Frank it, 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 and the reverse is also true it's not only that we as seniors need to search out young people um, that you know the parents are wonderful and parents are the best advisor for their kids, mostly. But sometimes a word of wisdom from someone other than the parent or modeling what the parent is doing but reinforcing it, um, sometimes they listen a little more closely to, because they don't hear that voice every day telling them to do the dishes, make your bed, hurry up, I'm late, you got to get you to school. You just hit your brother, you threw the laundry on the floor instead of into the tub, whatever. The, and... 
And then when the parent slips in a bit of real wisdom, it's got mixed in with all of those very important other kinds of comments that needed. And an outside voice can come in. But by the same token, we have a ton of seniors who are not able to get out. They are on walkers or motorized wheelchairs or confined to um, some kind of care, and yet still reasonably able to enjoy people, but there's no people around to enjoy. I think perhaps our churches and even some parents need to think, hmm, I wonder besides Aunt Mary, who's over there at such and such a care center, I wonder if there's somebody else over there, and you modeled that you went to see them and then encourage your child to find someone. You know, while I was walking down the hall, I saw somebody in the room, and when I checked on it, I found out she has never had a visitor for several months. Do you think you could, hun, go in there, introduce yourself, or I go in and help you introduce you, and then you just maybe share what you were doing at school or take uh, a model airplane that you just built and talk to the guy about did he ever, was he ever in the war? I don't know. Whatever seems to be appropriate. And try to get our young people to flip it and be of a service and support to some of us who really are finally at a stage where we're not too able to interact and do and be as great a light to others. I hadn't really thought about that addendum, but I think that's probably true. Amazing. You know, yeah. heck, I, I, we're going to change the subject because we got a little bit more time. Not much, but we got a little bit. Yeah, really wonderful. When is the last time you had to write a resume for a new job, or have you ever written a resume? Well, to be honest with you, I, I've never had what you would call a job. I've I've had business. <laughs> I, I like that. Age of sixteen, yeah, and uh, and I've and I was and I was dirt poor too, you know. I mean, but um, I've always been self-employed. But every once in a while, for like a new station, for example, a new radio station, they want to know uh, they want a one sheet, what you call a one sheet, and and I guess that's kind of like a resume there and an application. So yeah, I I update it every once. So I I I have to update it with certain. You have to put certain stars on there that you think would attract that. Yeah, so I, I do that. I guess that's a resume, right? Well, I mean, it certainly is. and But it, it was not a resume that probably helped you get the job or not get the job. In other words, you almost had the job. Right. Uh, they just wanted to know about you. And when I look back in my own uh, life and the, the major jobs that I've had, their uh, high school, you know, I just went in and walked into the shoe store and said, Cy, I need, I'd like, need a job. Wouldn't you like to hire me as a shoe clerk? And so I became a shoe clerk. And when I'm graduating from college and it's time to look for a job, uh, I sign up to, while I'm in Springfield, Missouri, I sign up to go to several people who are there that day for interviews and uh, I just walk into a couple of places and one of them happened to be the superintendent visiting there from Springfield, Illinois and here I am in Springfield, Missouri at that time and he interviewed me 
and uh, two or three days later, and I may have filled out something that said, you know, what my name and address and phone number and that kind of thing was, I get an invitation, a contract to sign to come to work for the Springfield Public Schools. I didn't fill out a resume as such, and they didn't look at it and decide, hmm, I think we like this person and that person. It was done, you know, through chit-chatting. I took five years later, I received a phone call one day and said, would I be willing to drive to St. Louis 100 miles away to uh, have an interview with a, the manager of a school textbook company? And they were interested in hiring some people to be a consultant for the company. So I taught all day, drove to St. Louis after I finished, went to a hotel where it was happening, had a, an interview which was just conversation, and they had found my name in the files at Southwest Missouri State, and they offered me a job. I mean, I didn't fill out a resume. Then two years later, I decided, mm, I think I'm tired of traveling with the book company, so I thought, mm, I think it's about time I settled back down again. And I did take an exam, but I didn't fill out a resume, and I received a phone call one day, as I'm beginning to think I need to do something, and it was the superintendent of the school, the new superintendent, and he said, we'd like for you, he probably was his secretary, and he's, wait, he wanted me to come by and have an interview. He wanted to chat with me. I didn't realize it was an interview. So I gussied up and went over, and we chatted about a new job that was going to open up because somebody had resigned and they were redesigning the job, and would I be willing to, to, to do it? And my gracious, it was exactly what I needed to do and would love to do. And I said, sure. And so the next thing I know, my name is going on the school board agenda to be hired. I didn't fill out a resume. And so sometimes we do have to apply for a job. But sometimes we just get the job. But let's pretend. Now, this is where you're going to have to put your little thinky cap yep. on. Let's pretend that we were going to hire Jesus. And we want him to write a resume. Now, we could just hire him because, well, we don't really hire him, but we're just pretending. Okay, I don't want anyone to misunderstand. Just for fun. Right. So, what, so one of the things that you would probably want to know on his resume is what was his occupational background. Now, if you had to come up, you're, you're, you're the, the assistant that's trying to help him write his resume. What would you tell him to include about his occupational background? How about a public speaker, um, a teacher, um, religious leader, right? I mean, uh, it's uh, a theologian for sure. He was an expert on the, the Old Testament, right, on the um, no question about it. And... Uh, you know, leader of men. I mean, that would be a uh, tagline. Men, women, healer, right? I mean, you can't. You don't want to say medical person, but I don't know what medical people were back then. But he healed the sick and he healed lepers. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think you'd uh, you'd have quite a bit there. But right there alone, I think that would be some resume. Yeah, and uh, I I think uh, some notes I was reading. One other thing that I would add to the things that you created that I hadn't thought about 
is that he really had only one employer. Who was his employer, in a sense? The Lord, the God. That, God, that's right, because he was his son. Right. He'd been around forever. So he obviously had the capacity. He didn't he held a job for a long time, I guess. And that's certainly one thing that we want to look. Okay. Now, if it, and some of your things sort of overlapped into the, the, the work experience, because when you're talking about he was a healer and a teacher, um, I think I think that's absolutely part of his work skill, and he did heal the blind and he did heal the lame, and you know, but there's another interesting thing skill that he had. I'm just thinking about it. He was able to. Now I don't know. You dare put this on your application. He was able to read your mind, my friend. Wow. He knew what the disciples were thinking. He would answer that. Would you want that in one of your employees? Uh, no. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, nobody, you're not going to put that on there, but that's, yeah, you're right. Uh, what is that? Uh, uh, telepathy, right? So he had, he was a, you know, mind reader. Yeah, no, no, you don't want your your underlings, right? If you could imagine Christ being an underling to anyone, but you can, and we're just playing here, right? But you wouldn't want somebody coming to work for you to know everything that you're thinking. That would be unbelievable. Yeah, isn't that sort of crazy? Uh, well, and, and obviously, he's going to be more the employee, employer as, as opposed to the employee. But we're, we're, just, we're just trying to have a little bit of fun to sort of know. Okay, what would you say was his educational background? What, what, you, what might, Because I doubt that he went to the University of Jerusalem and got a BS in uh, prophecy. Yeah, no, he he didn't, but he uh, he knew he knew scripture, and I don't know how, I, I don't know you know what university you know level um, education was back then. I I think he was as to me, you know I I don't know where you're going with it, but to me, I mean, he was a doctorate level. He was he was teaching. He was a therapist. He was you know for for the uh, the people close to him. He was um, he was their teacher. He was their well. Gurus, you know, sound almost sounds you know demeaning in a way, but he was guru to these folks. He was their uh, their everything, and uh, and and if you can get that all in, in, in order to do those things, you uh, you know you really have to be uh, you have to be at a doctorate level of thinking. But where were you going? Where? where were you? Well, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not really going in any particular way. Uh, certainly. I think about the fact that even as a young boy, you remember he was he, they had gone to pay their taxes and they were in, uh, they had the family had gone, and he disappears as they're ready to head back home, and they find him in the temple teaching and talking with the, the high rabbis of of the time, uh, so he obviously had an incredible education because if he can teach. And so where did he get that education? Right, right. That's the... That's he got it. He he knew the world from the time it was created. He had been around, he and the Lord and the Holy Spirit, he and God and the Holy Spirit, had all been hanging around since everything was created by God. And so he, you know, he did have incredible knowledge, even if he didn't get to a formal university. And then you think that he took 
he had to be a great teacher when you think he took those 12 guys that came from a variety of backgrounds, including simple fishermen, an ordinary tax collector, uh, a physician, and molded them and blended them into um, a team that were so engaged in the message to be told that they were willing to give their lives for it. That has to be a wonderful, wonderful quality that this guy that we're thinking of hiring, so to speak, in our funny little things. Well, I'll just close with one thing. One more question. On most resumes, you want to give a reference. Who do you think might have given a reference to Jesus if he had been writing a resume back there in 33 A.D.? The first one I thought is John the Baptist, but, um, uh, you know, he was more his promoter, right? He was more his, his uh, uh, you know, announcer and his publicist. And yeah, that's good. John the Baptist, I would say. Uh, resume, oh, boy, I, I mean, um, I, I mean, who would be his, uh, his reference? I, you know, any one of those men who followed him and women who followed him, uh, who would be his main reference? I, I, I'd have to go back to, uh, you know, uh, John, the, John the Baptist, right? I mean, that was his big, big promoter. But where, where are you going? Well, that, I mean, certainly that that, that was, uh, he, you know, he John the Baptist was out announcing and promoting him before Jesus had even been baptized and before, before he'd really started down the road. I think all of those people, who had come in contact with either with his teaching or his healing or his miracles would be willing to go on the line. Wow. It, it, listen, I yeah, I was dead, but look what, here I am talking to you. I'm promoting him, Jesus. Uh, think of the, the, the guy that was at the, that he healed that was at the, at the, at the pool and he got up and, he ran off to tell others and the 10 lepers that were healed and only one of them uh, managed to tell somebody else. But that group of people I think would be some of his greatest promoters while he would be actually living. Well, this has been a strange day and uh, we've discussed, we've gone in sort of funny directions, but I have one closing comment. Okay. And then it was something I read and just cut out today that I found on the internet. One thing nobody ever talks about being an adult is how much time you debate yourself on keeping a cardboard box because it's like a really, really good box. Can you relate to that? Yes, I can. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking at a whole bunch of them now, but you're not kidding. This is something that you don't have a problem problem with when you're 20. It, 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 when, once you get past 50, you're starting to you're starting to really ponder that question. Well, I have saved boxes in my life too, and probably I need to spend more time trying to save wonderful memories. And one of the wonderful memories is having another chance to share with our listening audience. I hope you have a good week, Frank. Uh, you too, Catherine, and, I, and you're giving us all wonderful memories. And you give me every time I talk to you. I, I swear to you that I, 
every single time we have a conversation. Somewhere in the car, somewhere in the shower, somewhere uh, at a restaurant, somewhere I, I think of something Catherine Ransom said in words of wisdom. And Ransom Notes, everyone. Uh, Catherine Ransom and her brand is Ransom Notes. It's a positive thing. It's a She's turned a negative into a positive Ransom Notes uh, each and every week. Um, get the book for sure. Watch the documentary. And thank you very much for tuning in. Catherine Ransom has been your... Signing off. We'll see you next week on Ransom Notes.